When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, and welcome to episode number 500. This is your host, Will DeWitt, and I could not be more joyous than I am to have reached such an amazing milestone such as this. It's one of those that when I first started this podcast five years ago in my one-bedroom apartment back in college, I never imagined this show becoming anything like this. It truly is remarkable. I just wanted to take a moment here to sincerely just thank each and every single one of you listening or watching the show, because without you, there really is no Chicago Audible. I've been so thankful for all the opportunities that the show has led to like meeting and talking to Bears players, making connections with some of the media members on the beat, getting to cover the scouting combine, and just so many more. But at the end of the day, what makes the show just very special to me is all the connections that I've made with my Bears brothers and my Bears sisters across the entire world. So whether we met in training camp in the past, a Bears game, the Bears 100 convention, heck, a few of you at the airport, or just out of the blue. Uh, And on top of that, whether we've shared emails, direct messages, comments, Twitter responses, we played in a fantasy league together, or just messages on our website. To everyone that I've connected with in person, online, or both, I just want to thank you so much for your support over the years. We've gone through a lot in the last couple of seasons, uh, like a forced name change by the league, uh, losing a consistent member of the hosting squad, but you're still here, and I really do appreciate you. So to show my gratitude, I want to send out a bunch of thank you cards from the Chicago Audible directly to you. And heck, maybe, okay, I will be throwing in some surprises along with them. So if you want a thank you card from me, How about this? Send me an email with your name and your address. Heck, I'll even pay for international postage. I don't care. 
Email me at will at chicagoaudible.com. Uh, you can also send us this information via a direct message on Facebook um, or Twitter. So thank you again uh, for 500 episodes. Get your thank you card, by the way. I'm looking forward to writing so many that you're going to make me wish that my wrist would just kind of fall off. All right, but hey, let's get back to what you came here for, and that's to meet the Chicago Bears' week four opponent, the Indianapolis Colts. To help us learn more about the 2-1 Colts, I brought on Jim Aiello, who covers the team for the Indianapolis Star, and he also hosts the Colts Cover 2 podcast. Jim, he's, he walks us through the strengths and weaknesses on both sides of the ball, his thoughts on Phillip Rivers through three games, how the team is dealing with, I would call it, a significant amount of injuries, and much more, including whether or not he believes that the Colts' defense is legit or maybe they just played some bad offenses. There's a lot to give to, so let's go ahead and just get started. Hey, Jim, thank you so much for taking the time to hop in the show to give us the scoop all the way from Naptown. I want to know, how's it going, man? I believe you're just telling me uh, the White Sox game's on right now for you? Yeah, yeah, I'm keeping an eye on the Sox. That's my team. I'm from actually from Chicago, so I grew up watching the Bears. Really excited to, to be able to go to Soldier Field this week. I've been there a bunch of times, obviously, growing up a fan, but I never got to go be in the media center and cover a game there. So I'm thrilled that I get to go cover the Colts and, and Bears this weekend. That is pretty cool. Now, don't rub it in too much. We're not allowed to have any fans in attendance. It'll be a very uh, quiet day for you out there. I'd be honestly curious to connect with you after, see how you like that press experience all the way up there in Chicago. But, Jim, I'm here to learn more about the Colts. And I love beginning with that offense. And let's just take a moment uh, to discuss Phillip Rivers from my vantage point. It looks like he's playing all right, not really pushing the ball downfield all too much, which that's been his typical style of play throughout his career. But now he's more dinking and dunking and just spreading the ball out. I want to know, first and foremost, is this accurate? And is this what you expected from him this year or maybe something different? So what he's doing right now is what the Colts are asking him to do. And again, let's keep in mind who the opponents were the last three weeks. It was Jacksonville, it was Minnesota, and it was New York. Teams that they they thought they could run the, the ball down their throats and and executed that way. I mean, again, they haven't gashed teams with the running game, but they have been able to, to kind of control time of possession and things like that with the running game. So they haven't asked Rivers to do a lot um, in terms of throwing the ball downfield. What he has been is has been hyper accurate. I think he's the most accurate quarterback in, in, in football right now, something like 78%. Um, he's not missing his throws. Uh, and, and again, he does, he's historically loved throwing to running backs and tight ends. He's really good about getting the ball quickly. They were, therefore they have the ball in space. So they're creating a lot of yards after the catch. Um, he had, I mean, if you look at his last game, it was 17 of 21, his yards per attempt were about, um, a little over 10 yards. So he was, he was creating big plays when he was pushing the ball downfield. They just haven't asked him to do it very much. I mean, I don't know how much you need to throw it downfield when you, when you win 36 to seven against the Jets. Well, that's a very fair point. So throughout three games, would you say you're pleased with what you saw out of Phillip Rivers so far coming into Indy, uh, his second team ever in his entire career? Yeah, it's it's like I said, it's been it's been a little more under control than I think I expected. I mean, he has made a couple of bad decisions and, and interceptions in in bad times. I mean, again, things that you expect having watched Philip Rivers in, in 16 or 17 years in San Diego and Los Angeles, but they're trying to work those out of him a little bit just because they you know they they figure. The fewer we ask him to throw, the fewer times we ask him to throw, the fewer times he's going to make those decisions that kill you. And so that that's kind of what's been happening so far. So he's been he's been very accurate. He's made some really really smart uh, smart plays. And again, with teams like the Jets and the Vikings, and, and again, if all Bears fans are happy to know the Vikings are struggling mightily right now. I mean, that wasn't much of a game there. The Jets were, I mean, super banged up. And the other thing you have to keep in mind for for Rivers is that uh, Paris Campbell was a guy that they wanted to be a guy that stretched the field, and he got hurt um, early on in, against Minnesota. So that was tough. 
Uh, T.Y. Hilton would have had a long touchdown because he dropped it. Uh, and so they're, they're, they're kind of sorting some stuff out right now in terms of that passing game. But right now, like the last two games, Rivers has been very, very accurate and hasn't made a lot of mistakes, which is what they want from him right now. Well, you mentioned Campbell, and that's a tough injury to have so early on in the season. And it looks like you guys are going to be without another receiver in Michael Pittman. You've also just mentioned T.Y. Hilton. He's not that home run guy that we're just so used to seeing at least throughout three weeks. So what's your take on a wide receiver situation? Is it as grim as it appears? Or perhaps because you also mentioned Rivers is so good at getting the ball to backs and tight ends. Maybe that's the perfect medicine to kind of get through this uh, patch for the Colts. So Colts fans are like, it doesn't seem that grim to Colts fans because last year was so bad. They lost so many receivers to injuries last year. I mean, they were playing with guys like Marcus Johnson and Zach Pascal ended up being the leading receiver on the team. And I think right now the Colts are just happy to, I mean, fans are just happy to have T.Y. Hilton still healthy. Um, they have him um, there. I, again, I think it's going to, they're going to, I'm trying to think of the best way to say it. it their, their elements of the game are going to be gone now because Pittman was the guy they liked using almost in short yardage, like those using that big body third down kind of guy to get uh, kind of the way that Allen Robinson is used in Chicago a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Paris Campbell was again, those guy who won't bring those deep crosses that, that Rivers loves to throw and create big plays after the catch. They don't have that anymore. What they do have though, they still have Naheem Hines. And again, I keep making bears comparisons, but he's kind of their version of Tariq Cohen. Uh, they have, they have Naheem Hines who can do kind of those things out of the backfield. He can play it in the slot. Very good at catching the ball, dangerous punt returner, all those kinds of things. They also have a really good trio of tight ends. They have Jack Doyle, they have Mo Ali Cox, and then again, again, more Bears connections. They have Trey Burton, who they think they might be coming back uh, this week. Obviously, it would be important for him. I think he would love to come back and face the Bears. Um, but they do have talented pass catchers at tight end. So they are going to, I think they're confident they're going to be able to find a way um, to keep the passing game going, even without guys like uh, Campbell and Pittman right now. I think that would really stick in the craw of Bears fans if Burton comes back, because I don't know how much you know about the Bears wildcard game in 2018, but Trey Burton didn't suit up then. A lot of speculation as to why he was unable to suit up for that one. I know that really kind of got into the mind of some Bears fans. So if he does suit up this week, I think that will be an interesting storyline uh, for at least my vantage point to follow. But you mentioned Burton, uh, Rakia Sin as well. He's maybe coming off of IR just in general with injuries. How are you feeling? I mean, the NFL has been going through a rash of them over the last two weeks, but give or take, uh, what's your assessment of the Colts injury situation uh, just overall? So far, they've been able to plug the holes. And again, it's like, it's weird. You, you, you can't, you know, they lose guys at certain positions, but they happen to have, it's like, it's those spots where they happen to have depth. So they lose Marlon Mack, but they drafted Jonathan Taylor. They lose Malik Hooker at safety, but they drafted uh, Julian Blackman to play safety. So they, they've happened to lose these guys that for big stretches, um, that have that they just have nice young replacements waiting in the wing. So that's been very fortunate for them. So if they were to lose somebody on the offensive line, that would be a lot tougher. They have some guys behind them, but not as much depth there. Um, guys at uh, DB, like you said, Rocky Sin, that's a big loss for them. It, it worked out okay last week with the last couple of weeks with, again, playing the Vikings and playing the Jets when they had guys like Xavier Rhodes and TJ Carey step up. I'm not totally convinced those two are the answer on the outside for the Colts. I think they're going to need you send back sooner than later. Rhodes, again, he played he played pretty well. He had two interceptions last week, but he took, he gambled, man. And there was a play in the end zone where he just dropped off of his man and jumped it, jumped a play from Sam Darnold and, and made a pick. But man, if you're going to keep gambling like that, there are going to be teams that take advantage. Guys like Nick Foles can, can take advantage. They'll see you doing that on tape and say, okay, we're going to play that. We're going to play that way. So that, that they're going to take advantage of that. So I'm not convinced that the Colts secondary is totally fixed. Not having Malik Cooker. If rock is not back, that's going to be a vulnerable spot for them. Looking into your backfield, you mentioned you have a trio of backs that can kind of get involved here, but 
you know, I was telling you, I live in Colts territory, and it seems like all my friends, they just keep saying this week, watch out for running back Jonathan Taylor. It's probably a combination of, you know, Colts fans around here as well as being in Big Ten country. Uh, so when I'm looking at Taylor, you know, he's a dynamic back. He can be a factor on the ground. He can be effective throughout uh, as a receiver as well. What has he provided the offense throughout three weeks? And would you say that he's perhaps as big of a factor than maybe some people in my circles are trying to make him out to be? He is, he is because he has to be. Okay. So this team really wanted to rely on Marlon Mack and Marlon Mack is, again, he doesn't get the publicity that a lot of guys get, but he was a very shifty, very patient, very fast back. And again, a guy that was like kind of broke out last year with his first thousand yard season. Just, he, I, he really looked like he was on the kind of the brink of stardom and it was going to happen right at the right time. Cause he was in the contract year and then he tore his Achilles and it's just a horrible thing for them. So they have Taylor. But Taylor isn't the back that Mac is yet. I mean, again, don't get me wrong. If you were, if you were just going pound for pound town, I think you'd probably take Jonathan Taylor. But it took Marlon Mack two or three years to get adjusted to the NFL. And again, I know a lot of people expect, especially in this fantasy world we live in. And again, I play, so no, you know, no worries. But like Jonathan Taylor, like a lot of people expect running backs to just jump right in and be great right away. And he's having a little trouble. He's having a little trouble with his uh, with with seeing the lanes that he needs to. Philip Rivers, after his first hundred yard game the other day, Taylor's, I think it was against Minnesota, was saying he had a great game, but man, if he had just cut these, cut through these holes a little more confidence, a little more decisively, he would have had, it wouldn't have just been a hundred yard game. It would have been a 200 yard game. And so this week we talked to to Jonathan Taylor and he said, yeah, I'm, I'm missing a few. I'm not, I'm not being as decisive through the hole as I need to be. I need you to, when you see an opening, you got to hit it in the NFL because it doesn't stay open as long as it did at Wisconsin. And so he's a really, really good back. He's very smart. This is a guy that got into an Ivy league school and chose to go to Wisconsin. Very smart kid. He's going to learn the offense. But it's it's going to take a little time, and it's going to take a little time for him to gain confidence. But when you look at the, the I mean, the raw tools, the guy ran a, a, a four three forty. He's like two hundred and thirty pounds. It's 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 incredible the, the raw tools that he has. He can make guys miss in the open field. He's going to take. It's going to take time, but once he puts it all together, your your friends are right. He's going to be a player. All right. On top of that, you've mentioned he's having a lot of holes to kind of you know go through right now. Is the offensive line playing up to snuff right now through three weeks? I would say they're, you know, they're, they're okay. Indianapolis doesn't tend to get a lot of headlines in the NFL. Uh, but the one thing that does is Quentin Nelson and the yes. offensive line. A lot of people like to talk about those guys. And I will say, I think they've been a bit of a letdown this year. I, again, not in pass protection and pass protection. I think Philip Rivers only been sacked twice. And so he does a great job of getting the, the ball quickly. And, and, and the offensive line has done a pretty good job. Costanzo's gotten beat, I think once or twice on the left side, he is gettable, but he's, he's still one of the better left tackles in football. Um, overall though, pass protection, they've been great in the running game. Yeah, I think they've left a little bit to be desired. Now, maybe that is more of a product of Jonathan Taylor not hitting the holes that he should be hitting, and we're not seeing quite the results. But there have been some short-yarded situations where the Colts were really, really great last year, and they just haven't been able to deliver this season. They're, they were 3 of 10 on third down uh, this last week, by the way, and a few of them were on short-yarded situations. Just times where you expect, hey, let's run behind Costanzo, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, this trio of first-round picks we have on the left, on, between the center and the left side, easy first down. And it hasn't happened. And, and, and so – I think I think the, you Colts fans are expecting a little bit more out of this offensive line. Again, this is sometimes there's it's weird. People talk about chemistry between receivers and the quarterback. Sometimes there's a chemistry that builds between I think between the offensive line and the running back, and they don't have it quite yet with Taylor. But it, I you know again I it, it's a lot of talent that you're talking about between the offensive line and Taylor, so you'd expect it to come. But like, to answer your question, no, I don't think the offensive line has quite lived up to the billing as being one of the best offensive lines in football, which they have the talent to be. They just haven't delivered quite that way the first three games. Okay, it doesn't get much easier going up against Chicago this week. I'm sure you no. know that one too. But when you look at this game, you look at what the Colts have done throughout three weeks on offense, what kind of identity do you expect 
Bears fans to kind of see from the Colts when they're out there on offense? Is it going to be that ground and pound first mentality that you've kind of mentioned a couple of times? So I, I again, Frank Reich likes to, to take different game plans into different games and, and try to match his personnel. He likes to be multiple, is what he calls it. So if if he if you're not going if you're going to give him passing, he's going to throw forty times. If you're going to give him on the ground, he'll run forty times. That's what he wants to do. But I, I think again, based based on what Frank prefers to do and how he wants to use uh, Philip Rivers, I think he's going to be run first. I think there's going to be in the first half, you're going to see a lot of Jonathan Taylor, uh, probably some Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins, their third back. And they're going to be testing that Bears run defense. Now, I know they got they got beat up a little bit by Atlanta. I got to watch the first half last week because that kind of overlapped with the Colts game. So I watched Bears Falcons for a little bit. And it looked like Gurley was finding some holes early on. And I think, you know, if, if you're Frank Reich, you're going, okay, that's what we're going to do. We're just and, and we're going to keep pounding away, doing trying to get, you know, trying to do that. He knows Nick Foles can can come back and beat people in late in games. He's he was there in Philadelphia when he did it in the Super Bowl. He obviously watched the tape this week against Atlanta. But that's the position he wants to put Foles in. Is to have to throw a bunch to get back in this game. That's going to be where the where the Colts defense can thrive. So my guess is that they're going to run the ball early in the first half, and if it works, they'll just keep doing it. It's been working against the Bears defense all season long so far. Whether it's Adrian Peterson week one. Um, a little bit there in week two with Saquon Barkley before he went down to injury and last week as well, as you mentioned, uh, with Gurley. So I would not be surprised if you're pretty much on the money there, Jim. And you mentioned the Colts defense. I think that's a perfect segue over to that side of the ball. They're ranking up very well across the board, top five or ten in most of those big, important categories. I know our listeners, I think they just want to know off the bat, you know, is the Colts defense very good or are they just perhaps looking very strong due to who they've played. I'm just curious on your take on how genuine the level of play that we've seen from Indy really is. Oh, it's a great question. I just saw that their DVOA, they're rated number one in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. And I, and DVOA adjusts for opponents. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe they're better than I think, but I can't help but say, yeah, Kirk Cousins and the Vikings wouldn't look very good. They did bottle up Dalvin Cook. That That is an accomplishment. Um, but the Jets just had nothing. They had none of their top three receivers. Darnold was on the run the entire game. And again, credit to the Colts defense for doing those things, but I'm, I need a better test. And I think the bears will provide it this week. I think, again, if you get the Nick Foles of that third and fourth quarter of, of last week, I think that'll be a pretty great test for the Colts defense. And again, their numbers are off the charts right now. I think they're giving up like 132 passing yards per game. Yeah, it's nuts. Ridiculous. Um, they're not that good. I can tell bears fans that they're not that good. Um, they're beatable. Like I said, they're beatable on the edges on the outside with, with guys like Xavier Rhodes. And again, Bears fans know Xavier Rhodes for all these years playing in Minnesota. Uh, and he got beat up the last couple of years. So again, I think he's playing a little bit better here in Indy, but I don't think he's the, the all pro that he once was. TJ Carey is more of an, a slot guy, um, but they're asking him to play the outside while rocks out. The one thing you will have, the one problem that the, the Bears will have is that they try to throw inside too much. The Colts have very fast linebackers and guys like Bobby Okariki and the All-Pro and Darius Leonard. They also have one of the best slot corners in the game in Kenny Moore. Very underrated. He's a guy that is, again, sticky in man coverage, really instinctual in zone coverage, and they love to send him off the edge on blitzes. So, And he's really he's great at it. So that that's a guy that you're not going to get as much off the seam as you probably want if you're going at the Colts. But again, on the outside is where I think they might be vulnerable. Ken, it took everything out of my next question already. Though. I was, good, I was <laughs> trying to look at that secondary because lowest passer rating in the league allowed at 64, 15 passes defense, six interceptions. You mentioned pretty good play from Rhodes, Moore, and Carey. Who are you most impressed with this year out of your secondary? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, let's see. That's a good question. I would say, well, let's go with the rookie. They actually have Blackman playing safety, if that's okay, if I can switch to, to yes. one of those. I mean, yeah, he, he so he came in in the um, – 
he came in in the middle of the Minnesota game because Malik Hooker went down with an injury and immediately he made some plays that were incredible. He broke up, he was playing in cover two, which again, <laughs> Bears fans are very familiar. Um, and he was playing in the cover two and there was a tight end going over the middle and the, he was, it was Irv Smith was about to make a catch and Blackman just lit him up. I mean, this is one of the first plays he's made since tearing his ACL uh, as a, as in at Utah in college. And he just, he didn't hesitate to throw his body right at the guy and break up the play. Two plays later, Again, he's on the deep side. He's playing deep zone on one half of the field, and he goes all the way to the other side of the field to try to make an interception. He should have caught it, but he ends up tipping it up in the air, and Kari Willis, the other safety, makes the interception. I mean, the kid is a playmaker. You have to be impressed with him the way he's doing that in his rookie season. Um, again, I, I, there's a lot of tape on him, so I think maybe maybe Kirk Cousins didn't know what his tendencies would be or things like that, and the Bears will have a little more time. Having He played a bunch uh, last week against the Jets, so they'll know a little bit more about him. But the kid can be a real playmaker and kind of playing center field um, the way they hoped Malik Hooker would be. Kind of the guy, again, again, I, I, I feel bad at making all these Bears comparisons weird. But again, the, the guy that the Bears have in Eddie Jackson, the guy they want him to be uh, is Eddie Jackson. I mean, that would be the greatest possible outcome for, for a guy like Julian Blackman. Puts a smile on my face hearing, you know, that kind of a lotty comparison as well as just, uh, you know, some applause here for uh, the great Eddie Jackson that he is. And do you think that could give Nick Foles some trouble having someone who can play that center field role? Because with Foles, we all know he doesn't have the strongest arm. He's not going to have bullets down the field. They kind of have a little bit more arc to his throws, which could allow for some additional recovery time. That's a good, I mean, that's a great point. And absolutely could be, I'm, 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 there's, you know, the, Matt, the quarterback versus defensive coordinator is always a fun chess match, but I can't like in my head, I can't get over the fact that Frank Reich sitting in the defensive coordinator's room this week and going, this is what Nick likes to do. This is what Nick likes to do. We did this with Nick in Philadelphia. He loves this. Like, I'm really interested to see because there is very little tape of Foles in Chicago. I asked Eberflus about this today. I said, what do you do about this? You haven't seen Eberflus in a, or, I'm sorry, you haven't seen Foles in a Bears uniform outside of a quarter and a half. And he said, yeah, we're, we're pretty familiar with the player that he is though. So I think they're going to do some combination of watching you know, of knowing who Nick Foles is versus watching Matt Nagy offenses and assuming that's what they're going to do. But I kind of think the bears have the upper hand in this situation just because they don't really, nobody really knows what a Nagy offense led by Nick Foles is. Yeah, we don't. I mean, that's something that we're interested to find out because the consensus here is it has been scaled back a little bit just due to Mitchell Trubisky's inability to kind of grasp the whole thing. So it will be interesting to see if it's what Matt Nagy's offense was supposed to be, or perhaps this is what it's going to look like under Nick Foles and he has its own wrinkles as well. I think we'll find out some this week, like you mentioned. But getting back to the Colts, I want to transition to your run defense, fourth in the NFL, 93 yards per game allowed. I want to know what should Bears fans just kind of grasp about in these front seven, guys like Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner, and Justin Houston. They seem to be playing at a pretty high level. Yeah, so Justin Houston's easy. Yeah, Just assume he's going to sack your quarterback once again. That's like, that's like, he's just like, it's, it's weird. Sometimes you watch him for a half and you don't see anything. And then the second half, there's one play sack end of dry. It's a, it's a great, it's a huge timing like sack for, for them. It'll come at the worst time. It might even be a safety. He's got two of those in a Colts uniform. Now, um, again, that's like, like Justin Houston is just one sack book it. Uh, but no, DeForest Buckner has been the guy that you got to watch. I mean, this guy, they, they traded a first round pick for him, a top 15 pick for him and then gave him a massive extension. And they, they did it because they said, when we play the cover two, the Tampa two defense, you have to have an interior game record. And again, bears history. They know they've seen Tommy Harris. That was, that was kind of one of the guys that powered that, that bear Super Bowl team. Um, they, they, they wanted that version of the guy. Now Buckner and Tommy go to way different ways. Uh, Buckner is huge, very, very tall, uh, but he's, very, he's a technician. It's very funny. Like we were talking to the defensive line coach last week and he was saying he does like some of the best players in the NFL have particular moves 
you know, swim moves or jab moves or things like that. And, and they, they perfect them. The problem DeForest Buckner's having in his young career is he's kind of good at everything and he doesn't know which one to use. And so he's kind of learned to perfect a few. And so that, that's what they were saying is just wait until, like, wait till he finds out what his truly his best moves are. And that's when he's going to really wreak havoc in the NFL. But so far he's been really good. He's generated a lot of pressure up the middle and there's nothing quarterbacks hate more than pressure up the middle. Um, he had, and he's, he's weirdly like, I think he's second or the third on the team in tackles, which is strange for a defensive tackle, but that's how much damage he's causing up the middle. So again, if the bears are, uh, that's going to be something I'm sure they're going to have to game plan their center, their guard, they have to be uh, on, on guard for a guy like DeForest Buckner, who I will say he's had taken advantage of playing some backups recently. The, the jets had a backup, uh, I think they had a backup center in against him. The Vikings had a backup guard against him. There was a, a viral clip of him throwing that guard onto the ground. Um, so yeah, Buckner, he really can do damage. And if they, if the bears let him, he'll, he'll rake He'll wreck an entire game plan. Looking at just the pass rush in general, you kind of hit on it a little bit. They also play a lot of that cover too. So I'm assuming I haven't gotten to watch all the tape yet. They kind of hit home with just the main four. Uh, they don't, they're not an overly blitz heavy team. Uh, so on third downs, Matt Eberflus is starting. That was true for sure. What you just said, like the first couple of years of Matt Eberflus, he's starting to change it up a little bit on third downs, especially playing a little bit more man to man, some cover three, and he's getting a little more aggressive with blitzing. I think what they they went into the off season and thinking they were maybe a little too predictable in third down. So what they've tried to do these last few weeks is mix it up. Especially, you know, they play a lot of base, and again, they played a lot of base because they figured Sam Darnold couldn't beat them doing whatever they were doing. So why why put a lot of exotic things on tape? But what they have done in certain third down situations, especially third and shorts is got their corners up and pressing the pressing wide receivers and sending a little extra pressure occasionally. So in those situations, you got to be on the lookout. Matt Eberflus is not always the most exotic defensive coordinator, but he's starting to try to incorporate a few more new things. And again, against the bears offense that should test him in a way he really hasn't been tested yet this season. You might even see some stuff that he hasn't put on tape yet. Ooh, fun. That's always exciting to see new things from a defense that you can't ever prepare for. That's great. <laughs> uh, Speaking with this defense still real quickly, I saw the two safeties. So obviously the Bears should just uh, not be pinned back at their own goal line this week. Yeah, that's a good idea because the Colts are really good at it. Here, real quick question for you though, because I asked Matty, I've been on this crusade for like personally for the last like few years. Safeties, worth more than two points or not? Should be. Uh, I mean, they're so rare. Why not? At least a field goal, right? That's what I'm saying. Three or four points. I asked. I finally got the courage to ask Matt Eberflus because I've never actually wanted to ask this question during a legitimate interview process. But uh, they had two safeties in a row the last two weeks, and I finally asked him. And I said, what about four points? He said, hey, what about six? I said, I, I'm fine with it. I think the safeties are completely underrated and they need to be worth more points. I mean, imagine if you give them just a little bit more uh, you know, benefit to the defense, that would put a little bit more pressure on the offense to get out of those situations. Makes your punt game perhaps a little bit more important too. That'd be that'd be a fun little wrinkle. That's interesting. I uh, see. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. But to your point, the Bears. I, for some reason, the Colts are. Yeah. They. I, I think all defenses kind of get geared up when the when the offenses has got their backs to the wall a little bit. But yeah, the the, the Colts have been able to capitalize. This is their third safety in two years. They've had two two in a row. It's kind of crazy how often they're getting these. But uh, I don't think if they get three in a row, that'll be absurd. So I I, don't, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect it this Sunday. That would be a little absurd, and you'll definitely be running it up the flagpole just a little bit more to get those worth uh, a few more points. Uh, getting a little bit more general as we kind of wind down here for you, are there any maybe not-so-big names that Bears fans should be keeping an eye on that they may not know too much about? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. Especially at wide receiver, you're going to have to keep an eye on guys. Again, guys like Zach Paschal, unless you played fantasy last year, you probably didn't know much about him. I mean, he was a leading Colts receiver. I think he had – it wasn't a massive year. It was, I think it was something like 54 catches around 800 yards. Um, but 
what he does is he's uh he does everything really like he's kind of solid everything solid route runner solid hands decent speed uh not, doesn't do anything exceptionally well but does everything pretty well and what he I, I shouldn't say there's one thing he does exceptionally well it's run block they love him in run blocking so they'll put him in here uh, to they'll and they'll run his direction what bears what the bears have to be wary of is frank reich loves to set up opposing defenses he'll, he'll do a few things they'll look the same that you'll think you'll have a read and then all of a sudden he'll do something a little bit different last year the thing he used to do was it would be zach pascal out there run block zach pascal out there run block and all of a sudden he'd pretend to run block and then he would take off deep downfield and they'd create a big play that way and again not burning speed but sometimes he'd be wide open standing by himself because no one expected the run blocking wide receiver to go deep downfield so right with Pittman gone with campbell gone he's going to get more run Obviously, T.Y. Hilton will still be the more the, the focal point of the offense, but guys like Zach Pascal and then maybe again, maybe a slightly unheard of name, Mo Ali Cox, their other tight end. He's this big former basketball player. Um, you're going to see him out there and go, how? I mean, geez, like this, how have I never heard of this guy before? Because he's huge. Uh, but he he didn't really know football uh, when he first got here. Chris Ballard has just loved his athletic ability and has taken. I mean, this, this is year four, and he's really finally starting to break out now. So they've had some patience with him, and that, but they want to start using him more. So those are the two guys offensively to keep an eye on: Zach Pascal and Mo Ali Cox. What are your thoughts about rookie kicker Rodrigo Blankenship? Uh, patience, like Colts fans, like I mean, I you watch Adam Vinatieri just just almost ruin a season last year, and now they want to throw this kid out the door. And I don't, yeah, I mean, just you know, he's like I said, he's a he's a, he's a young college. I mean, he's a he's an undrafted rookie. He's 80% right now. He's missed two kicks and, and, and Colts fans are getting impatient right now. I think what they're saying is get him out of here before he misses a more important kick because the two he's missed so far haven't really killed the Colts in any way. Um, but really he, he, the Colts put a lot of time and money and effort uh, in during the pre-draft process into, into saying, okay, is this going to be our guy? Then he goes out and wins the kicking competition during training camp. Again, he's made all his extra points, eight for eight. He's only missed two field goals, still 80%. Um, one of the guys I wrote a story about him recently, one of the guys I compared him to is Robbie Gold. Robbie Gold actually missed six kicks his rookie season and then became one of the better kickers in the NFL for the last, you know, 15 years. And so you just, you got to have patience with young kickers sometimes. And he's, you know, he's, I'm not going to say he's going to drill a bunch of 60, 65 yarders or become Justin Tucker and never miss, but, but you got to have patience with the young kicker and let him develop a little bit. Yeah, I was just hoping you would be a little bit more venting and frustrations with kickers because <laughs> we get that, you know that. It's yeah, not yeah. We may get Eddie Pinero back this week. We'll find out. But even then, who knows? <laughs> it's the I saw the, the dismay on Twitter when I was at Santos that missed the field goal to open the game last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw Bears fans just going bananas. I my brother, my brother is still a big Bears fan. He texted me. He's like, "You got to be kidding me!" And I was like, "Yeah, this is what it is when you have backup kickers." Yeah, absolutely. We had him before. I know what we're getting in Santos, <laughs> and uh, I'm hopeful that Pinero can get back. He can stay healthy, and we'll see how things go over here. But I just have a two-part question for you. Actually, real quick, uh, before we get to that one, is there anything else that we haven't discussed, offense, defense, special teams, that you think our listeners would benefit from learning more about? Well, I was going to ask you. I mean, if, if the Colts are going to run heavy, and you said it's been working, what's what's been the – I know Eddie Goldman opted out, right, ahead of the season? That's the big one right there. Uh, Eddie is, that, Goldman, is that what's been killing them? Yeah, not having a true nose. Uh, they've been getting a little bit of that interior push. No one- How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Really hold down that A-gap. 
that and Danny Trevathan. Uh, he had a better game last week, but the first two weeks uh, in particular looked a little slow, a little sluggish. And for someone who's a little bit older, had a huge rash of injuries throughout his career. And he just got a big contract from the Bears this offseason, too. That's a big concern for us, uh, at least from our perspective. Uh, definitely in the run game, too, as well as Trevathan's been pretty exploitable in coverage. Uh, something to keep. So that's around. interesting. So, yeah, I mean, if, 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 if Trevathan, if, if that's what Reich's seeing on film, I expect to see a lot of two tight end sets because what he's going to do is say, well, let's keep Trevathan on the field along with Roquan and then get him. And then we'll do some play action and get Trevathan on tight ends. And that's when they'll try to take advantage. Cause they really like throwing to Jack. They really like throwing to Mo. And again, if we see Trey out there, that'll be a different thing too. But um, yeah, that that's, I mean, again, for bears fans, if you're looking for ways that the Colts might try to exploit what is a very talented Bears defense that might, again, the run game is one going at where Eddie Goldman should be. And two, maybe going again, going at a guy like Trevathan who hasn't been as reliable in coverage as he used to be. Yeah. They just had a nose tackle, uh, McCullers who played in Pittsburgh for a while, a big guy. So maybe he can just okay. hold the gap and that may work. He was inactive last week. Uh, we'll see if he's active this week, but even then, I mean, he's not an Eddie Goldman. I mean, Eddie Goldman's one right. of the better nose tackles in the NFL. And I think we're starting to understand his value, uh, just a little bit more without him, which, uh, this is how life goes sometimes, Jim. But uh, I was going to ask you something. Oh, yeah, confidence in your uh, running backs to catch a football if it's an open, uh, if they're open, pretty high, right? Because we've get, we've gotten lucky with a few big drops by running backs so far this season. Yeah, actually, you know what we didn't mention? I forgot. I mean, for Colts fans, Bears fans probably don't care much about this, but is uh, Chuck Pagano is the former Colts coach, and that's the defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator matchup. So Colts fans will be fun. I mean, that'll be fun to watch, uh, just kind of that, that chess match between Reich and Pagano. Um, but to your point, yeah, they'll, they'll, Naheem Hines is one of the better pass catching backs in, in football. They've they've like Philip Rivers came to to Indianapolis and immediately kind of compared him to Danny Woodhead. If people remember, you know, people remember him. Obviously, he had Austin Eckler last year, another really great pass catching back. I compared him to Tariq Cohen. I think they kind of do a lot of the same things. Very very good pass catching back. But Taylor can also handle the ball. I mean, can catch the ball. He had a few drops in training camp. But this is one of the things when they were scouting him at Wisconsin, they didn't throw to him very much, so they figured he can't catch. And then they had him route run during uh, during the pre-draft process. And they were like, oh, he's pretty good at this. And he's got pretty good hands. And so they threw it to him a few times, even open the Vikings game. The very first play of the game was a swing pass to Jonathan Taylor. They didn't throw to him again that game, but I actually think it was just to keep Minnesota honest and saying, hey, we got a back who can catch the ball. And so you got to make sure you got somebody uh, keeping an eye on him. So wouldn't be surprised if the, if the, the Bear, I mean, I'm sorry, if the Colts try to do a little more like that. The other thing that they really, really worked hard on this offseason, and it showed in week one against Jacksonville, and they haven't shown much recently, is a screen game. They're actually a really bad screen team uh, the first couple of years Reich has been here, weirdly. Uh, but it looked like they had fixed some of those issues, which is strange because they have a great offensive line who should you think would make this work. Uh, but, I, again, they haven't really busted out many in these last two games. I wonder if they were saving that for, for a team like the Bears. We'll find out. That's actually another good wrinkle that I'm going to put down in my notebook, and we'll see if it comes to fruition. Uh, my last two, my last question, it's a two-parter. It's how I never meet the opponent episode. Uh, the very first part is, Jim, why will the Colts win on Sunday? The Colts will win on Sunday because, let me say, the Bears' defense isn't quite what it used to be, and Frank Reich is as good as there is as a technician of an, of an offensive coordinator at finding your weak spot and and make exposing it so again whether it's trevathan whether it's whether it's the defensive tackle spot where they can just run the ball he's incredibly good 
at, at finding those spots and taking advantage of it. And again, if they ask Philip Rivers to do what they've asked him to do the last couple of weeks, which is not throw very much, he'll take care of the ball. And the one thing the bears do better than most defenses is create turnovers. And if he doesn't, if they don't allow that to happen. They're not putting the ball on the ground. The Colts aren't fumbling. And if Rivers isn't throwing interceptions, it's going to put a lot of pressure on that bears offense to, to click immediately with a new quarterback. So I'll say the Colts win because of that. All right. Then uh, the inverse is going to be what's it going to take for a Colts loss and a Chicago bears victory. So what it'll take for a, for a Colts loss for the Bears essentially is, is to show Frank Reich you're not going to run on us. You're not going to run. You're going to make Phillip Rivers throw it. And that's when the Bears can take advantage. They have guys who are ball hawks who can make plays. Khalil Mack is a guy a master at, at forcing fumbles from quarterbacks. You have guys like Eddie Jackson, Kyle Fuller is an all-pro corner. They will make plays on the ball if Rivers gives them opportunities. It's almost like that Jay Cutler maxim. If you make him throw, he's going to give you a couple. Phillip Rivers will give you a couple. Uh, if, if you make him throw a lot. So if the, if the, if, and when the bears shut down the Colts running game and make Phillip rivers throw, that's, we're going to be able to take advantage. And that's why they'll win. Simple enough. At least it sounds simple enough, Jim. That was <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for your time. The great insight. I learned a lot. That means I know our listeners learned a lot along the way too. just bringing on your perspective. It really was awesome stuff. And uh, I told you before we went live or before we started recording, this is episode 500. So no pressure on you being a guest here, but <laughs> Uh, you did a great job, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And I did. I, I, I will say I did feel the pressure. And occasionally when I started to like ramble, I was like, this is not what a 500. It's got to be smooth. It's got to be perfect. <laughs> I, I got to be better to clean this up. So I really appreciate it. I'm flattered to be on the 500th episode. Well, you're uh, more than welcome. Uh, thank you again, Jim. And uh, have a good rest of your week and uh, take care. Thanks. You too. Enjoy the game. All right, Bears fans, I hope that you found Jim's insight to be valuable to you and that you are coming away with this episode with a stronger sense of who the Colts are. Remember to send us a direct message on Twitter or Facebook. Send me an email, will at chicagoaudible.com with your name, your address, and I'm going to get back to you and write a bunch of personalized thank you cards just to show my appreciation for your support throughout 500 episodes. And here is, well, of course, to the next 500. Looking forward to the next chapter beginning here on our journey covering the Chicago Bears. Nick and I will be back in a couple of days. I'll make sure to rub it in his face that he was unable to appear in our 500th episode. Uh, But we will be back with our weekly in-depth game preview show, which I can't wait to get to you. Dive into these matchups just a little bit more and tell you who I think is going to win, why they're going to win, and just all the Bears' big talking points here throughout this week. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.